Hi everyone, my name is Anil Trevetti. I am the uh, intern at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Hinsdale, which is just outside Chicago. Uh, this is me backfilling some of my sermons from early in my internships. So as I am uh, rereading and, and reviewing these sermons, um, getting ready for uh, um, approval uh, in the ELCA, um, this has been a good exercise for me to get ready to write about these sermons that I've preached in the past. And, um, it's also brought up some uh, some memories and some um, sort of more traumatic feelings about what life was like in September 2020. Life was rough, uh, really rough time in the pandemic leading up to the election um, and uh, serving at a new congregation, feeling out, um, you know, my supervisor, feeling out the congregation. Uh, this was a difficult week. I, I recall this being a difficult week. Uh, we were still in the midst of reading um, Lauren Casper's book, um, Loving Well in a Broken World. Uh, and so that heavily influenced my thinking uh, going into the sermon. Uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy. In our first reading today from Philippians, Paul urges unity in the church of Philippi. He tells the Philippians to make his joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. But as I stand before you today, I must confess that to me, unity feels almost unimaginable. There's so much dividing us so much for us to disagree about. And it feels like the implications and stakes of our differences have never been higher. In a world where we seem to be more polarized than ever, Paul's call for unity and one mind in the first century church today feels unattainable. It feels outdated. And quite frankly, it feels a little bit like an unfair burden for minority voices. Calls for unity, especially when directed down from the top of an organization, can actually be a mechanism for silencing diverse perspectives. And the church has regularly been a place where that is the case. But Paul's call for unity isn't just a stern warning to simply get along with one another and play nice. It's a call to formation to purpose, to life and faith in the very incarnation of God's self. Faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ. Immediately following his call to unity, Paul summarizes what that unity looks like. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. The unity that Paul speaks of is not a unity of similar hobbies or perspectives or politics or worship styles, but a unity of faith that participates in God's love, humbly preferencing the interests of others. Unity in faith that leads to a preference for the interests of others. In our fall-focused book, Loving Well in a Broken World, 
Lauren Casper tells a story about the way that listening to others is a form of empathy and a path to understanding the interests and needs of others. The story goes, at a hot and humid church picnic in August, Lauren's young son, Moreto, complained over and over and over about the heat and the crowd, pleading with her to go home. But Lauren shrugged off the complaints in order to continue a conversation with a friend. Well, when Moreto disappeared from the picnic, Lauren lived out a parent's worst nightmare as she ran from the river to the forest to the parking lot looking for her lost son with an ever-increasing sense of dread. Fortunately, her son turned up in the car. He was just unable to deal with the heat and the crowd. And to him, in his mind, climbing in the car was a step towards getting home sooner. And so as Lauren reflected back on that day, she realized how she hadn't really been listening to her son. His persistent complaints were a reflection of his extreme discomfort, and she had just brushed them off. This realization drove Lauren to consider how often she truly listened well to her neighbors. Was she hearing their perspective and their needs, or was she brushing them off? prioritizing her own perspective and her own voice. Lauren's story reminds us that prioritizing the interest of others starts with being willing to listen and hear with what the other is saying. It reminds us that empathy, that walking in another's shoes, begins with a willingness to listen, to truly listen, when the other shares their perspective with you. And this is a glimpse of the unity, the one mind, the same love that Paul hopes the Philippians live into. Paul urges the church to become a community that acknowledges the createdness of one another, a community that humbly puts the needs of the other ahead of self. Now, there's a reason that this is hard, right? (laughs) It's not natural. It's the opposite of the universal human tendency to prioritize our own needs, to shut down when we hear or encounter something we don't like or we don't understand, or that we judge because of our own existing perspectives. On Thursday night at our adult forum, Pastor Sunitha Mortha did an amazing job demonstrating how even our own stories influence the way that we perceive and understand others. This is a real and a universal reality. And this is also where Paul brings us back to the person of Jesus Christ, to God among us, and to God's inbreaking into the world. Because Paul's not telling the church in Philippi to just work harder to buckle down and be more like Christ. No, Paul instead points us to the Christ hymn, a lyrical, poetic, beautiful description of the early church's understanding of the identity of Jesus and God's work in the world. The Christ hymn in this text from Philippians goes like this. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, 
did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The unity that Paul so deeply wants for the community of the followers of Jesus is rooted in faith and trust in the person of Jesus himself. Jesus, God incarnate, who lovingly prioritized humanity's needs, your needs, for restoration, wholeness, and redemption to the point of death on a cross. Paul described what a community centered on faith and trust in Jesus could look like, but the call is to unity in faith, and Paul's joy is made complete not by our work, but by God's work in transforming the community into the body of Christ, broken open and emptied in humility and love, preferencing the needs of others. In a similar way, the parable from our gospel text points us to faith. A father asks two sons to go out to work in the vineyard. The first says, no way, pops, but later changes his mind and goes to work. While the second says he will go, but never shows up. Jesus explains the parable by saying that the first son, the one who initially said no, is the example of one who does the will of the Father, but not because of the amazing work that the Son accomplished that day in the vineyard. Jesus isn't saying that the first Son did the will of the Father because he picked more grapes or pruned more vines than the second Son that day. Jesus is saying that the first Son did the will of the Father because he believed, because he changed his mind and he believed. The first son got to participate in the work going on in the vineyard, the kingdom of God, because he believed. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you, for John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. God is at work already in the vineyard and invites us to join in with God through the gift of faith, trusting in God who became small, whose love for God's own creation led to the cross. Our Philippians text ends with a reminder from Paul that the unity he speaks about does not require us to pick more grapes or prune more vines, to work harder and become more like Christ, who is so beautifully described in the ancient hymn. We're called instead to a unity of formation, of purpose, and of faith in the very incarnation of God's self, faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ. Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. Lauren Casper's reflection on listening well helps us see our neighbor as God sees them, and then in faith, 
as a community unified around the body and blood of Christ at the table, we are transformed into the body of Christ for our neighbor. Knowing and understanding our neighbor's perspective and needs by listening well, we can freely join God's work in the world, in the vineyard, in the kingdom of God here and now. And so may you trust that God emptied God's self in love for you, for your forgiveness and for your restoration. May you trust that God humbled God's self to the point of death for you and that the same God made present to you today by the Holy Spirit in the word proclaimed and in the bread and wine is made present to you, to the world by the Spirit in you and through this community, the body of Christ humbled for the world. Listen well. Amen.